if the board is mostly dovish and the voting members, are we done? Uh, well, why are yields going back up if we're not done? Get ready for a new episode of KP Talks Dollars and Cents. Learn financial literacy and get real-time updates on all things housing, finance, and real estate. So let's get started. Here's your host, Kevin Perenio. Hey, it's KP coming to you live from Corona, California. No close-up shots of me in the car this time, and I appreciate all the engagement on the last post. We are back at the desk. I've got one trip tomorrow to the lenders one. Uh, there's a, it's an executive roundtable, and that is in La Jolla. And then I have the California Mortgage Banker Association board meeting uh, up in, I believe it's in Northern California, the first week of December. And then I'm done traveling for the road. So what's going on? You know, uh, potential government shutdown, NAR lawsuit uh, for $1.78 billion could have treble damages up to $5 billion. Um, I'll talk about that in a second. Jobs report came out. The Bureau of Labor Statistics came out on Friday. Um, pretty soft jobs report. Had a nice bond rally. 10-year treasury went all the way down to 4.88. I'm sorry, 4.488 uh, on Friday. I mean, it's like a 50 basis point swing. But then we had a little correction today, Monday, although we're almost uh, to Tuesday here on the West Coast. So um, let's talk about uh, the NAR thing for a second because we have a lot of um, realtors and originators on here and sales leaders. Like, what is the message right now? Um, I haven't heard too many concrete things out there of what exactly you're going to say because it's still a little unclear. It's been just under a week since the uh, <clears throat> the rulings came out. So just to make sure everyone understands what's going on, um, there was a collusion lawsuit filed, um, I believe, in the state of Missouri where um, the... You know, if if you have to list your home for sale in the multiple listing service, which the MLS has been pretty much run by the National Association of Realtors for uh, for decades, um, it was basically mandated what you would put in there um, by the selling agent, what would be paid as commission for the seller's agent and also the buyer's agent. So um, it was very interesting. You know, I you know I. I, I've seen a lot of takes on this. And the reality is um, it's going to get appealed by NAR. Okay, so uh, the borrowers didn't get, consumers didn't get a choice, right, in this state. And there's like a $40 billion lawsuit about to come up in the state of Illinois. And then there are some copycat suits in some other states that are being filed now. <clears throat> so we just got to keep an eye on it. Um, there's a lot of conjecture. There will be some changes because of this. It could be as simple as, um, you know, uh, just kind of finding out what a buyer's agent is going to get paid up front in the agreement between the consumer and the buyer's agent. Um, and then at the offer, the time of offer on a house, that buyer's agent would then negotiate with the seller's agent at that time, as opposed to just being mandated in the listing. Because um, remember those multiple listing, um, you know, that data gets put out in many different websites. It's going to be multiple um, lawsuits, multiple entities. Some people may just want to say, hey, I, I want to get out in front of this and I'm going to change my policies now. You know, would I just, you know, mention a way of kind of negotiating those contracts and those fees? I think um, is probably your your uh, path of least resistance. Um, <clears throat> but at the end of the day, you know, I'll, I'll make a couple analogies, right? So, so a buyer's agent has value, like good ones have value. They help do things. It's not as simple as... Um, 
go to my website and just pick a house like you order a piece of shampoo, you know, a bottle of shampoo or shoes or whatever online. I think at least for the first time home buyer, um, there is a lot that a buyer's agent um, can provide and knowledge. And so the ones that know their worth and the ones that are good and the ones that help people get under contract right now, which is very hard to do because there's, you know, um, such a limited supply in so many different markets, I think they'll continue uh, to thrive no matter what. I mean, you know, or for sale by owners just thriving because every single seller just, I don't need a listing agent. I can do this on my own. I'm a great negotiator because I read, you know, The Art of the Deal or some book, you know, like that. I don't know. So, you know, listing agents and buyer's agents, they provide value, especially good ones, with experience in all of their um, surveys and all of their past experiences, you know, online to show, you know, how good they are. So um, I think they'll figure out a way. Uh, but I've seen people doomsday it say, hey, buyers don't want to pay any fees. They're just going to find a way not to pay them. And, you know, I don't know. But um, it's still unclear. The treble damages and um, the judge in the case will make a determination here imminently, maybe tomorrow within the next couple of days. And then they'll, you know, talk about, um, you know, how, if they're going to make a, a change to how, um, you know, buyer's agents are paid. And of course, there'll be an appeal process and that could take, you know, a year or two. So everyone's watching. This is what we're all talking about right now. There isn't um, actionable things to do at this exact moment, except, you know, hey, if you're working with a buyer's agent as an originator or you are one, make sure maybe you negotiate, you know, your fees and your agreement with that consumer up front and then start working with um, the listing agent, you know, when you make an offer. Um, and a lot of buyer's agents and listing agents have worked together in the past and you know, they can help uh, each other out. I know there's a lot of agents that double-side deals right now. Listing agents have a lot of power in a limited supply market. And that limited supply market is not going away. So um, anyway, we'll keep an eye on that. All right, jobs report. It was, first of all, it wasn't just the jobs report that made the bond market rally, improving interest rates, and also the stock market rally. Um, and I'm not a financial advisor. I'm not responsible for your losses, only your profits, but the market did rally. Um, there's some technical things going on with these markets. I'm not saying that we're off to the races. I'm just saying when you see data like this come out, um, a Fed open market meeting that's somewhat dovish, um, a second uh, pause in a row um, where the market, according to the CME uh, futures, Fed futures, uh, futures tool, tool, is assuming that they're done and less likely to have that 25 basis point rate hike. On December 13th, the next Fed meeting will know because they have to put their dot plot out and say, you know, where they think the terminal rate will be. And so will they keep us guessing into 2024? I doubt it. Um, but we'll see. But um, the point is you had the Fed meeting. They, they paused. It didn't raise rates. And then you had services data, the ISM services data, which actually came down a little bit. Remember, a lot of inflation has been coming from services, um, now non-housing services. Um, so that data got a little softer. And then the manufacturing ISM data is again, I think it was like the 12th month in a row of recessionary index. It means the index below 50, I think it was like 48.7, something like that. You know, so so manufacturing has been in a recession. Housing has been in a recession. That's two rolling recessions, whereas maybe other things like services have not been in a recession. Um, and so, um, but what's interesting is, you know, everyone's on recession watch and we think we could be in it or not be in it. You know, um, although we had that really high GDP number, which, you know, was uh, mostly consumer spending, 
um, that 4.9%, 2.7% of it was uh, spending, um, uh, 4.3 or 4.9, I can't remember. Uh, but basically, um, you can have a waterfall dive of GDP, maybe not in Q4, but certainly slow down and then go negative Q1 or Q2. The velocity of money is slowing down. The supply of money is negative this year. And so we had a brief little boost in uh, money supply when the banking crisis happened in March. But money supply has been coming down. And the velocity of money is how economies grow. Commodity prices have been coming down. Look at oil has been coming down. A lot of food commodity prices have been coming down. If we're in this big growthy economy because of what the GDP says, why is it copper? Why aren't the price of commodities going up? Why are services coming down? Why is manufacturing still down? Why is housing in a full-blown recession? And so, you know, if we're in recession, that is mortgage rate friendly. And we saw how quick it can turn on a dime in just those two trading days last week uh, with all that data that came out. The jobs report, okay, 150,000 jobs, plus revisions down on the last two um, uh Reports like a net 100,000 jobs lost in um, the last two reports. That's not good. Unemployment rate going up to 3.83 or 3.88, 3.9% from you know uh, a low of um, 3.4. That's a half a percent increase. You know, um, and so you know if if labor is softening, um, wage growth. Remember the wage price spiral we talked about today. Wage inflation. That was down to 4.1% year over year, down from 43 in the last report just a month ago. And labor productivity is up, of course, because people are losing jobs. So the people left when the jobs are cut, they're really productive because they don't want to lose their jobs either. And so um, is the market softening? It's going to be tough for housing for the next couple of months. There are signs of things turning for us next year. I could talk about so much more for like a lot more time, but I got to roll. Have a great night. Cheers. Hey, it's KP coming to you live from Corona, California. And to quote Jerome Powell today, just close the fucking door. Close the door. He actually said that. I'll get into that in a little bit. But before we go into all the news and everything that's going on with the Fed and housing and inflation and all that, we need to honor and salute all the valor of our veterans. This weekend uh, is Veterans Day, and it always falls on November 11th. You know how when the clock's 11-11, you're supposed to make a wish twice a day? Well, this is the biggest wish of all. We wish our veterans the best. On the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month of the year, the Allied forces signed our armistice with uh, Germany. And um, that was the end of World War II. So that's why that date is always uh, November 11th. And of course, it's a Saturday. So uh, many companies will be observing that tomorrow. So we salute our veterans. Thank you so much. Uh, it's an honor that you've done what you've done. Um, all right. So the Fed spoke today. Why is that a big deal? Uh, what's been going on with bonds? Remember last week he spoke uh, at the Federal Open Market Committee meeting in the second meeting in a row where there was a pause. So everyone was thinking, hey, man, they're done. They might not raise again, even though we didn't see the dot plot yet. So we're going to find out on December 13th uh, what they um, what they say. But I found it interesting you know, rates came down. Um, there's about 25 to 30 basis point move on the 10-year treasury on the yield, which directly impacts. Um, not, it's not a one-to-one -one correlation, but it's pretty close. It's the closest one of them, um, the 10-year treasury, because most loans, mortgage loans, even though they're a 30-year fixed mortgage, usually only last about 
seven and a half, eight and a half to 10 years. Who knows with this reset of all these, you know, 80% of all mortgages are under 5% um, with all the cheap money that was out there. Maybe they'll last a little longer. So there's a lot of people making bets out there buying servicing um, that they'll get that yield to last quite a bit longer. But anyway, um, so, so let's take a little step back before I get too deep into last week's data. Remember, when President Biden and the administration took power in the executive branch, they wanted to replace Jerome Powell with Lyle Brainerd. And she is seen as dovish. And the reason why, um, like all political parties, they want to try and influence, you know, all parts of uh, our economy and, of course, the Fed. And uh, and so um, it didn't work out because he didn't feel like they could get a consensus. And so they stacked the board with dovish uh, members of the Fed board, one of them being uh, the head economic advisor for the Obama administration, Austin Goolsby. He was out today saying, hey, we need to be really cautious about the rates where they're at. We think there's enough medicine in the system, in essence, basically saying we shouldn't do any more, um, you know, rate hiking. Uh, whereas uh, Fed uh, Chair Jerome Powell was out speaking today and some um, climate uh, awareness uh, protesters or, or whatever they were um, came out and interrupted him while he's speaking. And man, I had a little respect for him, not because of, you know, who is, you know, I, lo- I love the fact that there are people voicing their opinion in, in America about climate change and we can all have our opinions and I don't really care and doesn't matter. You're not going to change yours. I don't really care to get into all that. But I thought it was pretty cool that Jerome Powell, like, you know, when all these protesters came in and like surrounded him, you know, I mean, talk about like a security breach to Fred, Fed chair. And you got these random ass people coming up there and he's like, close the effing door, close the door, just close the door. It was actually kind of funny to hear that candid moment um, on the hot mic. You can look it up. It's on Twitter. Thank you, Chase Cole over there at uh, United American. You big commercial stud for sending me the Twitter links. Okay. So uh, if the board is mostly dovish and the voting members, are we done? Uh, Well, why are yields going back up if we're not done? Um, Well, a couple of reasons. So there's something like $112 billion, $112 billion in new treasuries issued this week. We had a three-year note auction of like $48 billion and then like $40 billion of 10-year treasury notes and then another $24 billion if I got those numbers exactly right, of 30-year treasury long bonds. There's a difference between bills, notes, and bonds. The bills are typically like two years and under, and then the notes are like, you know, threes all the way up to tens, and then the long bonds, bonds are 20s and 30 bonds. There's actually technically a difference. That's a lot of issuing of new treasuries to be sold, to, to be sold on the open market. And, you know, the 30-year uh, long bond auction today, which is although it's only like 24, only 24 billion, um, it was kind of graded a D. I looked in MBS Highway. I got to see the market wrap today and the auction didn't go so well. But why would someone pay 5% for money to be locked up for 30 years? You could pay for two-year notes and get the same yield, right? So um, it's very interesting. You know, We'll, we'll watch this kind of dynamic continue to unfold as we go into next year. Um, but uh, remember, after the Fed spoke last week and also at the beginning of the week, uh, uh, Treasury Secretary Yellen announced there'd be less new treasuries being issued in the next quarter in um, you know, this next round, the next three months. Um, the market liked that. But then, you know, he had to come pay the piper with Treasury auctions this week. So, you know, uh, yields kind of inch back up. So we're kind of in this range right now. It's very interesting from a technical standpoint to see um, the 25 moving day average of the 30 uh, year Treasury yield 
kind of come down um, and hit the 50-day. It will it cross through. I'm not to get too technical, but it'll be very interesting to watch how things pan out because next Tuesday we have a CPI report. Remember, this is a fight of inflation, or at least it has been, right? So I'm going to get into what was the dual mandate, which is really a three-mandate, which no one ever talks about. I'm going to talk about it in just a second. Um, but we're going to watch that, how it unfolds. But, um, you know, we could be in this little trading range here for, um, for some time to come, but, but inflation is coming down and housing is a huge inflation component of the CPI. It's a little less of uh, a percentage component of the PCE, which is the personal consumption expenditure. So, um, we all know that if rates come down, which everyone thinks they will next year at some point that there'll be more demand for mortgages with less supply and housing prices will run back up again. So won't the CPI go back up again? That is the crux of kind of the inflation fight, why Jerome Powell keeps saying um, higher for longer, because they have to keep rates higher for longer so we don't let the inflation genie back out of um, the bottle. And if housing is such a big component of it and it, you know, you know, housing prices run again. I mean, they just went up 4.6%. According to um, some data, I saw Selma Hapa with their core logic uh, post some data. 5.6% um, I saw from FHFA for August. So, you know, depending on what report you look at, um, it's still higher than, you know, inflation trend. And of course, it's a big look back 12 month component of inflation. So, you know, will consumer demand that's being crushed by higher interest rates you know, will it can will that demand come down enough and be low enough enough to offset these higher home prices? Such a big part of the CPI right now. Time will tell. That's why we're data dependent. Okay, so um, big inflation report coming out next week. Now, um, so going into next year and um, and talking about this this tri mandate, right? So I want to I want to just I want to remind everyone it's not just um, price stability and um, uh, stay, uh, price stability, maximum employment. They've been able to ignore employment because inflation has been so high. But now that we had this soft jobs report last week and we saw eight of the last nine BLS jobs reports had revisions down the next month. Jobs are getting softer and continuing claims came out today. The ongoing continuing claims are at 1.83 and 1.84 million. It means it's harder once you lose a job to find a job. It sucks right now. You know, it's a tough market in manufacturing, certainly in housing. Um, in many different areas. And so the other third mandate, right? So now the inflation is coming down and employment's starting to get a little high. That dovish board may not like going into an election year that's stacked against a party that's trying to retain power. You know, they may want to cut soon rather than later and get cheaper money in the system to maybe help out people um, and employers, you know, hire again. You know, small business is the engine for, for hiring, small business. And small business with higher debt at higher rates and having to pay for that debt um, is a problem. Um, and that's what's choking off small business. Thank God here at PRMG and many of our peers, we have no debt. We owe, we owe nothing to anybody. Um, and we have cash and we don't know how long we need to hang on to it because of this recession that we're in. That third mandate is moderate long-term interest rates. The 30-year treasury in just four months has gone from 3.84 to 5.1 yield. The 30-year long bond has gone up that much. That is a volatile market. And so there's still some fear, uncertainty, and doubt in the markets. So uh, keep an eye on all that. Remember the seven Ds, all these life events that continue. I know I've said it a million times. 
But this is why people keep buying houses no matter what the rates are. The first one is deployment because we put our veterans first. Then we've got diamonds, diapers, debt, divorce, sometimes debt after that, downsizing and death. Have a great weekend. Cheers. You've been listening to KP Talks Dollars and Cents, a top-rated show for those who want to learn about the economy and mortgage environment. Tune in each week for more episodes and please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Kevin Perenio does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through KP Talks Dollars and Cents. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice. For more info, follow KP Talks Dollars and Cents on all of our social channels.